Yep, it's one of those videos. Sponsored by CuriosityStream with Nebula. Sideloading on iOS. It is back in the news, front and center again. And it's something I've actually been doing a lot of thinking about in general. Originally, you know, I just thought, sure, allow sideloading. Do it like Gatekeeper on the Mac, where by default, you know, it's App Store only, but you can go into settings and you can switch it to allow developer certificate uh, apps to be installed outside the App Store or just allow any app uh, to be installed. But I started realizing that I'm a traditional computer user. I've been using computers since before I can remember using anything else. And a lot of the people talking about this issue are traditional computer users. They're people in the media, people on Twitter, people on YouTube who just grew up steeped in computers, traditional computers, and consider every device, everything that we use should be, should work like a traditional computer, but that that is only one very, very narrow point of view and one that often lacks an enormous amount of empathy and consideration for people who are not traditional computer users, which perhaps ironically ends up being a huge part of the market for iOS devices. The people for whom iOS devices were literally designed and intended. I mean, if we go back to the early days of the App Store, when Steve Jobs first presented the iPhone SDK, he made it really 100% super crystal clear that what he was suggesting, what Apple was building was not a traditional computer with the iPhone and the iPad that followed it, but something much more analogous to an app console. And I know that really ruffles some people's feathers and, say, and they say that you know, the iPhone shouldn't be a console, that it's, you know, I bought it, I should be able to do what I want with it. Uh, and I'm not arguing that. I'm not arguing whether it should be or not. I'm just saying that from design, from inception, it was not. It deliberately, specifically was not. It was designed to be a console in every sense of the word, the same way an Xbox was designed to be a console as something different from the gaming PCs that Microsoft already dominated. Something like, you know, a Nintendo box or a, a PlayStation box. It was designed to be something much more familiar and much more forgiving, something much simpler and easier for the mainstream public, for the people for whom even a Macintosh, as user-friendly as it was, was still too much of a traditional computer, was still too confusing, uh, too intimidating, too inaccessible. Uh, people for whom finding and downloading and doing everything with apps was still a huge challenge, a huge problem. Never mind removing those apps uh, if they were bad or simply wrong for them. The App Store was designed to take a myriad of web portals and retail software experiences and different vendors and pricing models and support infrastructures and installers and uninstallers and just make one simple place on device where you could push a button and get an app and then hold down, jiggle, and delete that app. Uh, and that was it. That was all it ever took. That's how the App Store was designed. And now there's just an incredible amount of pressure from you know geeks, nerds, tech aficionados like ourselves, but also companies like Epic and regulators like the U.S. government and the European community to change that. And 
I've been trying to think this through, and that's why I'm I'm having this conversation with you because I'm really interested in your point of view. I want you to help me figure this out because on one side, I do want everything that I own to be a traditional computer. If the iPhone and the iPad worked like a Mac, it would be absolutely no problem for me. Uh, but I think it might end up being a problem for everybody who's not me. And I don't want to do one of those things where I mistake my opinion for a majority opinion just because it's mine, because I do think that we do represent the minority opinion here because we have grown up so steeped in traditional computing technology and everybody who just hates that. And I'm not saying dumb people by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, some people might just find computers in general challenging, but others could be mega super geniuses, you know, lawyers and doctors and architects and scientists who just have zero interest in or patience for the trappings of a traditional computer. And they look at an iPhone or an iPad as a simple communications device or a simple tool, simple as in it does what they want them to do with no fuss, no muss, no comp sci baggage or luggage built around it. They just turn it on, they open the app they want to use, and they turn it off, and there's nothing they ever have to worry about. And I know the, the classic pushback on that is why can't we have both? Why can't the default be for the mainstream, for the masses, but have that you know, WebOS-style Konami code that puts me into developer mode? Or as John Gruber suggested, have people with developer accounts get uh, the equivalent of a developer-fused device that can do more than just the mainstream device can do. And the problem is that doors always open both ways. It's the same argument that you have with literally with backdoors versus no backdoors is that once you create these processes, uh, they will be used. It really could be anything. It could be schools just forcing you to sideload an app if you're a student there, companies forcing you to sideload an app if you work there, uh, governments forcing you to sideload apps, saying if you want to play Fortnite, for example, you've got to sideload an app for that, uh, or people being told something's not available in their region, but they can get it if they're willing to sideload it. I mean, once the potential exists, it will be both used and abused. And that's sort of like when people mention problems with sideloading, you know, for all the opportunity, it comes with it an equal and opposite risk. Those apps that you are forced to download or tricked into downloading or become desperate and download, you know, they they don't have any of the requirements of the App Store for review, for example, or any of the malware scans. Uh, they, they don't have to follow any of the privacy policies of the App Store. Everything that Apple has spent the last decade architecting up to and including all the app privacy protections and privacy labels, all of those things, they, they don't exist in a sideloading model. So the app that your school or work, you know, or government forces you to, to, to sideload could be surveilling you or the version of the game that you get either knowingly or unknowingly is pirated or, you know, it's not available in your region. You download it and it is festooned with malware or spyware or adware. It just opens up all these vectors for abuse that don't exist uh, if their sideloading is not allowed, just some total across the operating system. And right now, the way that iOS exists that is not a problem that any normal person has to ever face. Yes, there have been issues with enterprise certificates. Facebook famously got caught by Apple abusing an enterprise certificate to get people to download a surveillance client so they could monitor everything they were doing on their phones. Uh, and there have been other examples. There's been jailbreak over the years as well. That required a little bit of technical skill to get into 
Um, but if an official process exists, it is something that can and will be socially engineered, peer pressured, motivated in ways that it simply cannot be on iOS right now. And this is where I sort of get into part of my dilemma. And that is over choice, because everybody here is arguing about choice. I should have the choice to install the apps that I want on my device. I should have the choice uh, to use the App Store or not use it. And I'm just not sure if that choice should be per platform or across platforms. And what I mean by that is, should we as consumers have the choice to sideload apps on iOS or not sideload them, sideload apps on Android or not sideload them? Or should that choice be, I use iOS because I don't want sideloading and I want to be protected against you know, even the potential of sideloading uh, or I use Android where I can sideload. Is that enough of a choice? And if sideloading is forced on Apple because it's clear Apple doesn't want it, Apple believes it's a huge, sure, security risk on one side, but also a risk to their control of the app economy on the other side. But if it's forced on Apple, does that increase consumer choice because now iOS people have the option to sideload? Or does it decrease consumer choice because now people who want nothing to do with sideloading have absolutely nowhere to go? And that part does concern me because we as traditional computer aficionados, I'm trying not to use the word geek as often as I have been, but we already have so many choices. We have Windows and Android and Mac OS and Linux and Unix and all the other Nixes out there. We have our choice from amongst half a dozen to a dozen other viable operating systems and operating systems across a gamut of, of uh, phones and tablets and computers. But mainstream users, people who do not want the cruft of a traditional operating system, or in their minds, the perils even of one, they really have only iOS and Chrome OS. And it feels like at, in, at some level, we're taking that away from them. We're reducing their choices down to nothing just because we like the sexiness of Apple's iPhone and iPad hardware. And I have some ideas about what Apple could do instead of allowing sideloading things involving uh, the way you, transactions are handled or currently not handled on the web or the amount of commission charged to developers. But that would make this already long video even longer. So I'm going to save those for the Nebula cut where I, you know, it doesn't really matter about average view duration or average views per viewers or any of the algorithmic stuff that is so important on a YouTube video and where I post all of my videos ad-free and sponsored-free and often with much more extended content, sometimes going twice as long, sometimes even more for interviews, for explainers, for just conversations like this. And you can get a Nebula account for free when you sign up for the Curiosity Stream bundle, all by going to curiositystream.com slash Ritchie or clicking the link in the description, which is available to you right now because you watch this channel for 26% off for less than $15 a month, less than the cost of fancy dessert in New York City for the entire year. And with Curiosity Stream, you get access to all their series, all their documentaries, including their massive library of tech content, which just keeps growing and growing and growing. And you also get access to all the ad-free, all the sponsor-free, often bonus content videos from everyone at Nebula in the also expanding tech category, including Marquez Brownlee, MKBHD, Jordan Harrod, Bad Seed Tech, EPOS Vox, Strange Parts, and just 
tech altar, and the list goes on and on. And again, that's all right now, 26% off, less than $15 a month, just by going to curiositystream.com slash Rene Ritchie or clicking the link in the description. And clicking on that link really, really does help out this channel. For another one of these just me and you one-on-one chats, hit the video over here. And for something the algorithm thinks you might prefer better, check out this video and then let me know who picked best, the human or the machine. And I'll see you in that next video.